Hey there, welcome to episode 43 of the Author Elevate podcast, where we celebrate books, equip authors, and promote brain happy creative living. So, if you're a fiction author looking for a sustainable success on your terms, you are in the right place, my friends. And of course, if you're one of my amazing bookish reader followers who is just fascinated by all of this and wants to get some fun insight into the author world and get to hang out with some authors, you're also in the right place. And I am so excited that you're here with our guest author today, uh, JJ Johnson, who is an award-winning author of middle grade books. And I just had the best, best time discussing middle grade with with JJ, discussing uh, how he ended up in the indie author world, um, the whole origin of how he started writing middle grade fiction, how his kids got involved with it, um, how he has done different things in marketing. It just was a really, really, really fun episode. And I cannot wait for you to listen to it. But first, if you're watching on YouTube, please do subscribe and hit the bell icon for notifications so that you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, make sure to subscribe there. Leave us a five-star review if you love the show. Uh, just shout us out with some love there. Um, we are all about that sustainable author life and reaching that success and reaching those goals and achieving your ambitions, but doing it in a way that is going to work with your life season, with your natural rhythms, and not just break your brain. <laughs> Also, uh, make sure that you uh, check out the Author Elevate Patreon if you are interested uh, in getting some extra tips, tricks, access to our library of over 40 uh, additional bonus content uh, features that go with every single episode, plus you get a sticker. And without further ado, we are going to dive right into this great episode feature with JJ Johnson. So I'll see you in there. And I am super, super excited to dive right into the interview here with the fantastic JJ Johnson. JJ, thank you so much for making time to be on Author Elevate. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I've been following the podcast for a while, and uh, it's, uh, it's exciting just to sit down and chat with you. Yeah, yeah. It's been really great to have you, like, one of the listeners from the beginning and doing so much cool stuff on your own. So just to... Uh, get you all familiar with JJ if you don't know him already. He's a middle grade author or middle grade fiction author because he's not literally middle grade age. <laughs> Pretty sure the beard kind of, kind of, yeah, kind of gets gives you away. Like... Yeah. So he's a middle grade fiction author who loves comic books, coffee, and writing fun adventure stories for kids who love, who hate to read, who hate to read. I almost said love, but they like to read your story. So that's good. <laughs> Um, you also are the marketing director at Realmakers for the Realmakers Conference and all the things with that. And so uh, for any of you who don't know, Realmakers is the premier place for Christian authors of science fiction and fantasy. The science fiction and fantasy itself may not be Christianese, but the authors themselves are, in fact, Christian. And uh, it's run by Scott and Becky, who I will also bring on the show sometime. But JJ came on recently to do their marketing, and he is just doing awesome stuff with that so i told him he's gonna have to come back and talk about marketing sometime we can just shop talk about that for a bit and also you are doing mentoring now for middle grade authors is that correct that is correct and you can go to my website jjjohnsonwrites.com and there's a little section mm -hmm. over there that talks about mentoring and you can mm -hmm. sign up for various uh, various packages i guess mm -hmm. and I think you might have won an award for this or two, maybe. <laughs> I've won a couple. <laughs> Just a couple of awards specifically for middle grade, right? 
Yes, that is correct. I I, mm-hmm. I won in twenty twenty, and then I won this mm-hmm. past uh, this past year in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's won the Realm Award for middle grade of two years, and so. He has lots of cool things to say about middle grade. So if you're out there and you're a middle grade author or you are thinking about getting into middle grade, we're going to be talking all about middle grade fiction today. But first, oh, what's something you're working on right now, JJ? Like either for authors or like what kind of book you're working on? I know you've done some Kickstarters. What's something you're yeah. working on? Well, uh, for now, I'm getting ready to put the bed, the uh, Kickstarter for Iggy and Oz, the great ice mm-hmm. cream truck heist. I'll be filling that in November. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we shall have a uh, cover reveal here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of awards I had going with that, that mm-hmm. I had to touch up on editing. <laughs> so, ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. The Iggy and Oz universe, which we call the whimsical rim universe, is just mm-hmm. keeps growing. I have a collaborative story that I just finished mm-hmm. writing with uh, award-winning author Steve Raza and Jason C. Nice. Joyner where we took our characters from all of our series and we did a crossover event. And that mm-hmm. book is done. That will be going to Kickstarter sometime in the spring. And mm-hmm. then for now, I'm working on a passion project right now. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm a big believer that if you write stories that boys want to read, that boys mm-hmm. will read, even if they don't like reading. And mm-hmm. I'm a big firm believer in the fact that if you write stories for men, that they'll also read. And so right now I'm working on a men's adventure as sort of a post-apocalyptic style story. And I'm actually just going to publish that as a mm-hmm. serial for free on my website. And that will hopefully be coming out sometime in December. So. Nice, nice. You're just kind of building out this whole brand in this space for like boys and for men, all that stuff, which is, it's fantastic. I'm glad you're doing it. And uh, hey, guys, do more of this stuff. And also women too, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you, JJ. Do you ever get that? My my husband um, was a elementary school teacher for a number of years. And, you know, men don't often teach first grade. And so he always got this look of, oh, that's so nice you do that. It's so good that you do that. Boys just need that. Do you get that kind of oh, yeah. vibe from people? <laughs> I get it all and, the time. <laughs> and it's true, but it also it happens. And because there is a need there, you you know, it's great. You're getting that feedback that you're fulfilling a space in the market. Which also means right. your books get bought, which is yes, a they nice do. perk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, on my end, I am in the middle of just rebranding and refreshing a bunch of books. So I'm going back. I'm recovering. I'm adding chapters. I'm going wide, which yeah. I would say should have a warning label but it really does like as soon as you go in a group and say i'm going wide you get people saying it's great and also it's like six months of work and they're not wrong um so i am in the process of continuing to do that and then hiring people to do things for me with that because again there should also be a warning label on writing a certain number of books like once you hit 20 and you're like wow i feel great and they're like oh no you have no idea try to update your back matter now see how long that's going to take you (laughs) So that is where I'm at. It's not always the most exciting place, but also, I mean, whenever I complain a little bit, people go, you wrote 23 books. I don't want to hear it. And I'm like, you know what? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And speaking of writing books, we are talking all about middle grade fiction today. And so to start off with this, 
what defines middle grade fiction? So, mm. and I'm going to kind of put these two questions together because I think some people, that's one of the hardest things to figure out. They think, oh, I'm just writing for kids. You know, I'm just going to write a book for my kids and their kids might be like, one might be six and one might be 12. And, you know, those are totally different ages developmentally. Um, so what defines middle grade? What's going to set apart from like first chapter books or going up to YA? Yeah. Well, I think, I think when you, when you first start thinking about, you know, we always talk about age ranges in, mm -hmm. in middle grade. And I don't like to do that. I like to kind of look at it as from mm -hmm. like a grade level in a way. Okay. Um, so you, you mentioned chapter books. I think a lot of mm -hmm. people think when they're writing a chapter book that they're mm -hmm. actually writing middle grade. And that's not necessarily the same thing. Uh, mm -hmm. A chapter book is going to be something like The Magic Treehouse. I mean, it's yeah. going to be 8,000 to 15,000 words, give or take. It's going to be very short, simple sentence structure. Kids, probably zero adults in the story, very mm -hmm. linear plot, one point of view. It's going to be very, very simple. Mm -hmm. um, that is something that, you know, a first, second, maybe even a third grade is going to read, yeah. especially if they're a little bit behind. So, you know, that's that's chapter books and mm -hmm. they can be read by you and me probably yeah. within half an hour. Uh, <laughs> a kid is going to take probably a full week to read those mm -hmm. sometimes unless they're, you know, a very strong reader. Yeah. Middle grade, you kind of get into this thing where we where it gets even more confusing because we call it upper middle grade and lower middle grade. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, a, a lower middle grade novel is going to be defined by a lower content and mm -hmm. in what the characters are experiencing. It's also going to be lower word count as well mm -hmm. in, in most cases. And so when you think of it, a, a lower middle grade story can be for somebody who's third or fourth grade. Uh, mm -hmm. And they probably are going to have characters that are around 9, 10, maybe 11 years old. Mm -hmm. But it's only going to be about 25,000 words, give or take. It's going to be about mm -hmm. the size of a goosebumps. And it's going to be one of those stories where it, there's a lot of kids, but there's one single point of view and there's one single plot. Very, yeah. very simple. Just a step up from from the chapter books, but a little bit more difficulty in the reading level. Upper middle grade can be a little different because word count really doesn't matter with upper middle grade. Like a goosebumps, many people consider that to be upper middle grade. But R.L. Stein's stories are only about 23,000 words, give or take. Actually, I know that because I emailed his assistant and they got back with me on that. So, <laughs> oh, look at that. Yeah. So 23,000 words, but and you think of a, like the I Survived books, like I Survived mm -hmm. the Titanic, I Survived yep. the Gettysburg. Those are, those are upper middle grade books because there's a little bit more, when I say stronger content, in the fact that it's a little bit more mature content. You, mm -hmm. know? you know, you're dealing with situations, wars, tornadoes, you know, Titanic, things that are a little bit more uh, mature in the content. But mm -hmm. they can go up to down to twenty five thousand words, all the way up to sixty, seventy thousand words. When you mm -hmm. look at Alan Perfect. Brocken, Alan yep. Brocken's stories are upper middle grade stories. So mm -hmm. it that's a little bit of a definition. Um, mm -hmm. My Iggy and Oz stories are kind of right there between lower and upper middle grade. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of that fourth, third, fourth grade reading level, pretty much. And so that's kind of where my stories are set up. Yeah, and I think that's really important to point out with how big they can get because I was thinking even some of like the Fable Haven books or things like that mm. where they're just like these really fat yeah. books and uh, really great with talking about the grade levels because I, I was an elementary school teacher for a number of years. I still work with youth and off and on. And 
when you're thinking about acquiring books for your classroom, which is, by the way, one of the ways that you sell your middle grade books is that teachers yeah. buy them in bulk for their classrooms. Um, I would think at reading level. I wouldn't think yeah. about age. I would think about, I need books for this kid who's in fourth grade, but is reading at like an eighth grade level. And I can't give him like 16 year old fiction right now. Right. Like right. I need an upper middle grade that's going to go to those areas and be something, you know, he can sink his teeth into, but not <laughs> have content yeah. in it that he's just not developmentally ready for at like eight or nine years old. Right. Um, and kids vary with that. So you have one kid that's reading lower, one kid that's reading upper, one kid that discovered Harry Potter in third grade and they don't understand half of it, but you know, there they go. And you're like, okay, your parents allow this. I'm going to just <laughs> go with it. And so it's, there's almost a more of a pragmatic approach for middle grade. And one of the reasons yeah. for that is actually who's buying the books for the kids, which we're going to talk a little more about uh, in a second. Um, Cause it's not necessarily the kids all the time who are grabbing these books, right. but Backing up there, how did you find yourself writing middle grade fiction? <laughs> that is an interesting <laughs> story. So, you know, we always talk about our journeys as writers. And I had written a couple of novellas that were for, sort of in the dark suspense realm. Mm -hmm. uh, a novella called My Friend Louis, Compulsion, yeah. uh, another AI apocalyptic thriller called um, mm -hmm. uh, The Chamber. A lot of things that I was writing in that, and I, I just didn't feel like my books were finding an audience. Mm -hmm. And done well so i think it was 2018 i came home from rail makers and i had told my wife i'd always wanted to write a book for the kids and so i but here's the deal i had no idea <laughs> i had no idea what i was doing and with the way i work with adhd i you know a lot of people need quiet my way my i need chaos around me and then i just need to funnel it out that's why i'll go to a coffee shop i won't put in headphones i'll just let the noise kind of build and i'll just go to work and end it out and so my kids were playing in the floor and I had been studying some middle grade books, reading a lot of middle grade books. I was reading the ones I grew up with. I was reading the classics. I was reading a lot of the new modern stuff. And then I started talking to teachers mm -hmm. and I started talking to parents. And one of the things I noticed is that there was an under sort of market where there were kids mm -hmm. that just didn't like some of the things that were being published. Mm -hmm. And their moms and dads were finding a hard time finding something that they enjoyed reading. I said, mm -hmm. well, what if I purposely wrote a book targeted to boys that mm -hmm. just sort of, you know, because a lot of what was out there was Diary of the Wimpy Kid, Last Kids on mm -hmm. Earth. And those are good stories, but they're not really books. They're almost graphic mm -hmm. novels. Yeah. And so I was like, what if I take the concepts of those books and put it into a book that's a story written like a goosebumps or something like that mm -hmm. and i did but then i had no idea <laughs> what the rest okay. so my kids were playing with their dinosaurs one day and mm -hmm. i was sitting there in the chair and with a yellow legal tap and i was just kind of mm -hmm. jotting down some ideas and you know i get frustrated and i'd wad up a yeah. piece of paper and i throw it in the floor <laughs> and after about 15 minutes and about i don't know half of the notebook laying in the floor wadded up i decided uh -huh. It. I'm done. I can't do this. Okay. I get down the floor and I start playing with mm -hmm. my kids. And I asked my son, Miles, who was, uh, I believe he was six at the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, what if your dinosaurs just came to life? Because, <laughs> I mean, they had hundreds and hundreds of plastic oh, dinosaurs. Yeah. We had the big two tall T-Rex. We had oh, the old yeah. miniature ones. We had all the Jurassic World ones because Jurassic World was coming out at the time. 
So what if they just came to life and started like destroying the house? And when their imaginations just took over. Yeah. And my imagination just took over. And I, and Miles was like, what if they got out and started like going through the neighborhood and tearing everything up? Oh, yeah. Like, That'd be so cool. So yeah. after that, after about 45 minutes of just trying to be a dad, I yeah. got back up in the chair and I just said, I wrote a single sentence down. I said, when a 12-year-old boy's plastic dinosaurs magically come to life, he and his friends have to figure out a way to stop them before they wreck the neighborhood for good. And that became the basis for Iggy and Oz, the plastic mm-hmm. dinosaurs. I wrote the entire first draft in um, August of 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about 23,000 words. I said, send it to my critique partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first 10,000 words, uh, it was Heather Titus and Sarah Grimm. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, oh, they're going to hate this. Because I kind of <laughs> took the idea of a diary of a wimpy kid and said, well, what if it's just like a journal and the kid's telling the story? What mm-hmm. if I break every writing rule I knew imaginable? What if he'd be talking <laughs> he's going to talk in fragmented sentences? Because guess what? Kids talk in fragmented sentences. I said, what if Iggy breaks the fourth wall? What if there's times where he's telling us this showing? And a lot of this was just me just kind of being a little antagonistic towards you yeah. know, <laughs> snobby writing. And mm-hmm. uh, I just thought, I'm going to do this. And they came back and they loved it. And um, we can talk a little bit more about the publishing journey later and why I chose yeah. to go that direction. But that's what mm-hmm. got me into writing. Iggy and Oz. That's mm-hmm. actually the birth of Iggy and Oz right there. Yeah, and again, I love how it's this mixture of creativity and just being open to a moment, but also some of that sort of marketing sense of, huh, there's a space here that people need. There's something that people are looking for. And and again, to anyone out there who's going, oh, it's to market, it's kind of artificial. It's like, no, it's not to market, but there is something different about just listening to people. And if you want to have a book that really helps people in some ways, you listen to what they're what they need, what they're missing. And then you say, huh, can I be the person who answers that? Can I be the person that writes in that area? Um, yeah. And I think that's just a really cool way that that brought, got brought in, but then also, you know, just playing with your kids and following that storyline along and letting them kind of, kind of help lead what you were doing with that. That is really, really fun. Now, you've got this book and it's written and you said, huh, it took me about a month. Is that about standard for how long it takes you to write a book? Uh, for Iggy and Oz, yeah. Now mm-hmm. I'm a discovery writer, so I don't. Okay. Outline. <clears throat> I, mm-hmm. I'm, with Iggy and Oz, I know the character so well that I can mm-hmm. sit down. But um, usually, I have an idea. I do a lot of walking, a lot of thinking, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot okay. of my head. Um, mm-hmm. And again, ADHD. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't. I can't outline. So it usually takes me for that first draft um, to do that. But second, mm-hmm. third draft, a little longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that might also be, if you're out there, and again, this is a little more pragmatic, but it, sometimes a little bit of pragmatism can lead you somewhere good. If you're like, wow, it's hard to write longer stories, or people mm-hmm. keep saying, well, your stories sound a bit simple, because sometimes I have people who say, oh, everyone says my book, my voice sounds simple, then maybe you just need to find a genre that's going to appreciate <laughs> having yeah. a bit of a simpler voice. or you know, wanting to write shorter stories in part because then you can get them done instead of like working on a book for a year <laughs> and it taking forever. You get that. Oh, I got to the finish line. Yay. Okay. Now I don't have to think about that anymore. And I can like let my brain play a bit more, um, which I think probably would suit the ADHD brain a bit more of like, you could just kind of binge it, 
get it done. And then you don't have to like spend there for eight or 12 months just slaving away at it and kind of getting bored with it or getting distracted. So we got the writing. People are loving it. That's great. What about that publishing? How is your middle grade fiction published? Why? I think you did mention this was uh, indie published. And has this made it easier or harder? It's actually made it easier. And one, I like to do things myself, too. And I'm a very impatient person. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of that just comes from my independent nature. I mean, I moved out of high school when I was 19. I moved out of my parents' house when I was 19. So I've been doing (laughs) things independently for a long time. Um, I sent it off to about a a bunch of agents and editors. I had gotten it Mm -hmm. edited. I I had somebody do a quick edit on it. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I sent it off. And I even did the online pitches, you know, on Twitter, pitch Mm -hmm. parties, that stuff. I got a bunch of requests. Everybody loved the premise. But then I got the feedback from editors and agents, and a lot of mm-hmm. people were like, this is a great, really well, well-written well story, but there's not a market for it. And I said, whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this, is, this is where I take my antagonist approach, and I'm like, okay, what kind of market are we talking about? Because here's the thing. Mm-hmm. There are a lot. Let's take the old men's adventure line that was popular in the 80s and 90s, okay? You walk down, you see these on turntables. They were serial fiction. They were about probably Mm -hmm. 30,000, 40,000 words apiece. Men ate those up. It's not like men just stopped reading. Yeah. What happened is, is you had the collapse of the mass market paperback, and a lot of those authors went independent. Mm -hmm. And, And so men do read. They just don't read some of the things being published by mainstream publishers. They read a lot of the things that a lot of these indie guys. So I think what you have is sometimes is you have an area where an indie author can reach a market and have Mm -hmm. success a little bit better than a traditional publisher Mm -hmm. because a traditional publisher has a lot of overhead that they need to to maintain. And it's, it's a little bit more of a challenge. And so, yeah, I'll say, okay, I was a little antagonistic. But yeah. maybe that's just my rebel nature. I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I have parents and teachers over here telling me this. You're mm-hmm. telling me this. I get why you are saying this, but mm-hmm. maybe where you can't reach them, I can. Mm-hmm. And after, and then there was one press that was really interested, um, but then they ended up passing. And I'm kind of glad they passed. Because mm-hmm. I don't think I would have had the success I've had with the series mm-hmm. had I gone with a traditional publisher. Because I think I was able to hit the market I wanted to hit mm-hmm. uh, a little bit better with that. And so mm-hmm. it has made it, that, that sounds a little egotistical and <laughs> it does oh well. But I mean, it just, I think that you have to think outside of the box sometimes and think about mm-hmm. who who am I narrowing down my target audience to? Yep. And being able to hit them where maybe the traditional publisher isn't able necessarily to hit them. And I think that's incredibly wise. I think sometimes people, publishers can be held on such a pedestal. And this is something like, I mean, when I was a, when I ran a small press, press occasionally I would talk to authors and go, I'm going to pass on this and I recommend you indie publish this. This is not destined for the, the meat grinds or the publishing industry. You can do better on your own. 
which they kind of gave me a funny look. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm weird. I'm still, <laughs> you know, I know I'm not supposed to say this, but, <laughs> um, but the publishing industry often runs on such a different business model that right. doesn't allow for that kind of creativity. And it's just sort of inherently built into the model itself um, with the overhead, with, in some ways, you and you buy and invest in a product before actually testing it with a market. You have to hope and guess it works, which is kind of opposite of most other businesses out there. You get, you know, you market test something, you have, you know, you test the model out, you know, people want it and then you get it. Whereas publishers do things sort of in reverse. They acquire what they think people want and then hope and pray that is what they want. Yeah. Um, so they tend to be very cautious especially nowadays, um, especially nowadays, they're really cautious. And so, you know, it's more work to do it yourself, but it can be a great way to just kind of make sure that that niche is getting served and that your books are getting out there with the way you want them to be. And I think that's fantastic. I think that it's something that even more authors should be doing. The tricky thing, of course, is that I think you probably came into it with a little more of a business mindset than yeah. some authors like come into it like if you're coming very creatively minded and then it's like and now you have to think about like inventory or stock or price points or profit loss stuff or those things and then I start glazing over um but if you can wrangle all of that it it can be really really a great way to actually serve through indie and then to find markets that the publishers they can be very good at what they do but even more so over the last 10, 15 years, what they can do has been more and more um, sort of narrow, restricted, limited than what an right. indie can do. So you're out there and you got the indie published. Say an author who writes, why, oh, actually, let's back up for a second. Uh, what is it like marketing for middle grade fiction? So you have the books, you have the covers, you're sure about it. What's it like doing the marketing and how is it different for why than YA or adult fiction? Well, I think this is where you start getting into the gatekeepers because mm -hmm. you do have a lot of gatekeepers. And Scholastic mm -hmm. has owned the public school market for so long, partly because mm -hmm. of their book fair. And my kids love going to the book fair. But I think what I found is that you have teachers, you have mm -hmm. parents, and then you have the kids. Yeah. Um, I found a lot of success by reaching out to teachers. And and <laughs> I, I, I did this a little, a, little, a little weird. The first thing that happened is I had a teacher who was following me on Facebook that was teaching, um, she was teaching fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And so she bought the book, read the book, loved the book, and then she built an entire lit unit yes. for her class around the book. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. She messages me out of the blue and says, hey, would you come and do a school event? I said, yeah, I'll come and do a school event. Mm -hmm. And I said, and she goes, well, what do you charge? I'm like, wait, people charge for this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the correct and, answer, and, of course, is, you know, $100 or more, but... <laughs> But here's what I did. I, I decided to go with a, a little bit, and this is maybe just my, a little bit more of my business mindset since I come from a mm -hmm. business background. Yeah. I said, I'll tell you what. I, if you will take pre-orders for the book mm -hmm. and you can get 15 kids to buy the book, mm -hmm. I will come absolutely for free. And so I sent, I sent her a pre-order thing. 
or yep. QR code. You can order it off Amazon. Um, and so what she did, I said, or I can bring the books with me. And she okay. said, okay. And some of them pre-ordered off Amazon. Some of them, I just brought the books with me. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I ended up having, I think it was 27 books sold in that one wow. class visit. And, um, and so I said, well, this worked and I made money and I actually made more money than a hundred dollars. So I was, yeah, like, I was gonna say that's nice. <laughs> I was like, what if I did it over here? And so I started sending these these things out. Well then something mm-hmm. happened. And this is where luck comes in, I think. Um and I don't want to call the pandemic luck, but the pandemic uh, yeah. happened. And schools got canceled. Well, and flash forward the August of twenty twenty Schools were either virtual or they were on this like AB model. Like they're in mm-hmm. school two days a week, virtual three days yeah. a week. Teachers were dying for content. And yes. so the next thing I know is I had a teacher in Ohio reach out, said, hey, would you do a, uh, a Zoom call visit with the kids? And I said, yeah, here's the books, pre-order them. I'll send them mm-hmm. till you sign. And, uh, you know, and just over time, just that strategy has worked. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I did school visits last year. I'm planning to do some school visits this year. And I think one of the things that I find is important mm-hmm. is one, you got to get personal with the teachers, get yeah. to know the teachers in the area. Um, I don't want to say cold call the teachers, but you know, send them a book and just say, Hey, I'm mm-hmm. a local author and mm-hmm. I would like to, I'm available for a school visit. Here's a free book for your classroom library. Yeah. Um, if you do it that way, uh, it's not necessarily cold calling. You're you're trying to contribute to things, uh, you know, to the classroom. And so I think that helped me really get into the schools. It helped me uh, kind of break through with parents, um, doing things like well homeschool conventions. There were even yep. virtual homeschool conventions. I did some virtual homeschool conventions that uh, during the pandemic that really kind of helped take this off. Looking back on it, had we not had the pandemic, I don't know if it would have taken off. I of the okay. Egyanos series, there's three books in the series. Um, all three books combined, which you know mm-hmm. they're about twenty five thousand words apiece. All three yeah. of them combined have have sold well over twelve thousand copies. So I I feel like I hit a niche, but I also felt mm-hmm. like I got very very lucky with timing based off of some situations. And that. That's part of it to learn, too. I think there's some really great lessons in that um, because part of doing any kind of business stuff or marketing things well is simply consistently doing it, putting yourself out there until something like that happens. And then, you know, you set a benchmark and if you're like, okay, nothing's happened in three years. Okay, let's reevaluate and see if I'm doing something that I, I need to rethink. But you have to be there and be showing up and be sending those books out. Even if the teacher doesn't get back to you, you know, be willing to sort of take that loss a bit to get that potential exposure until it goes. And that's one of the hardest parts of doing things sustainably is just, you know, showing up again and again and again and assessing and showing up. Yeah. Well, you talked about going wide a moment ago. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I did, I did, I learned during the Kickstarter is Mm -hmm. I funded the entire book with only like 30 backers. And I was like, wow, if I had put that up on Amazon, it would have taken me a, a hundred cells or something like yep. that. Probably a hundred, I think it was 130 after you. So then I was like, okay, what if I did this? So one of the things I did is, is I went wide too. 
Mm-hmm. But another yeah. thing is I decided to launch my own direct-to-consumer store and just cut Amazon completely out of the picture. Yeah. So I've launched the store. Um, it's, uh, you know, my my private publishing company, I call it Lost Ink Press. It, you know, yep. so I have my own store. It's out there on my website. And what I do is is from the 1st through the 15th of every month, I market that store. I say, mm-hmm. you can get the book. But guess what? Mm-hmm. You're not only getting a book, you're getting an ebook, the ebook version yep. as well. And you're getting a free set of 10 flash fiction Iggy and Oz stories in digital format too. Mm-hmm. Now you're paying a little bit more than you are on Amazon. You're paying $10 plus the shipping. Yep. You're getting an autograph, you're getting the ebook bundle. And I've bundled it together and I actually make more profit doing oh, it yeah. that way. So I did it for the month of October. And then what I do is after October 15th, I put in an order for the books. I sign them. I ship them out the, mm-hmm. the very next month. Mm-hmm. One of the yeah, things I I've noticed. That. Yeah, I, I ended up having more sales in the first month mm-hmm. that I did this in October than I did mm-hmm. on Amazon. And yeah. I think that one of the things people and consumers like is you know, we throw this buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. I don't really think that does well. I think when you get mm-hmm. personal and you start mm-hmm. saying, hey, you want a free cop or, you know, the, the ebook for free. You want a digital download of these stories that mm-hmm. you can't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, here's how you can get them. Buy the book direct from me. And it's amazing. People actually will pay a little bit more money. Yep. Even though. If, especially if they know that more is going to the author and they're cutting big corporations oh, yeah. out. So, yeah, and I love how you went through. You go through Big Cartel, right? Yeah, I, I use Big Cartel. Yeah. yeah, I had I knew someone else who's using that for something else, and that's a great starter thing um, because the the cost is so low, so you can make some profit yeah. on it. And I think this just says how how tired and busy I am lately. But when I say why I am also having someone set up a Shopify for me for all of my yeah. stuff and. For just a caveat out there, if you're looking at it and going, wow, she set up a Shopify and it's 40 a month. I have 23 books, three of which, four of which are nonfiction, which people right. really need. So I'm, I'm going to make that back. If you want to start off like easy, do a big cartel, do Payhip, yeah. do Gumroad. Don't, don't go straight to Shopify unless you know that you're comfortable doing those sales. Um, yeah. But for, for me, it was the experiment. And I was mm-hmm. like, OK, let me let me get my feet. And that's why I chose Big Cartel, because for the first mm-hmm. five listings, it's free. And, oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm just going to put the Iggy and Oz stories up here. And then I also mm-hmm. have a, a special where you can get all four of them for mm-hmm. a lower price. But like you said, you know, get your feet wet, you know, experiment. Yeah. And that's the thing yeah. people need to understand about marketing is don't be afraid mm-hmm. to take low risk experiments just to see mm-hmm. if it works. And if it works, yep. it might be the thing for you. So, And this is... This is the thing that you really have to start at the beginning if you're going to do this, especially in, I'm slightly on a wide kick right now, partly because Amazon is doing so much with KU that I, I drastically dislike. Now, there are people who are making it work in KU. If that's make, working for you, that is great. You keep doing it. If you know it's like, you know, accomplishing your goals, that's great. But one of the fun tricks about going wide and having your own storefront is you can do fun things. And what it ended up being for me was just... Once the press was shut down, I'm like, I have a little more space to do some different stuff with my own books. I'm like, I have sold services direct for like five or six years successfully. I sell courses. 
I do all these things direct. Why am I not selling my books direct when I'm doing everything else direct? And then I started thinking, oh, it'd be fun to do like, you know, bundles or price drops. And I'm like, when my books are in Kindle Unlimited, I can't do that. Like they're trying to tell me how to do things with my books. Well, I don't like that. (laughs) You don't get to tell me that I can't like, you know, offer special stuff or have them different places or stuff. And so if you're a little bit of a, you know, independent thinker who doesn't want to be restricted by that, it can be helpful. And again, you have to be willing to to do the work and put yourself out there. So you have to be willing to do the cold calls or, you know, send the books into people. And for teachers, for middle grade stuff, I will say teachers are always looking for stuff. Oh my goodness. When I was a teacher, you're, right. you're so busy with plants. If anyone can give you something that's easy and pre-made and they're, and they're speaking your language of trustworthy, safe, we'll get boys to read, we'll help you accomplish you know, your, your reading goals for the year. If you're speaking their language of what they need, yeah, like not even a question. <laughs> They'll get it because they need something easy because it's just it's a very, it's a lot of work. And if you're homeschooling the same way, if you're homeschooling three or four kids and you can just get something where, okay, I can hand this to my boy, he'll read it. (laughs) That will be his literature for the day. Here's a pre-made curriculum for that. It just makes things easier. And so it's shifting that mindset of just, again, not just the buy my book for the sake of buying my book, but thinking like, what are, what do people want? What are they getting out of it? Um, And then for middle grade, I think the trickiest thing in terms of thinking about the market in terms of what they want is you have three different sort of main groups wanting three different things. You have kids who honestly may or may not want to read your book at all. Like they could read your book or they could go play or they could read your book or they could like be on an iPad or something. So for them, you know, buy my book doesn't mean anything. Like you need to have a shiny book cover that makes them go, wow, this is more interesting than my iPad. This is more interesting than what I'm doing. Um, for parents, you know, they're looking for safe. They're looking to, to see if you're safe. You need to have a good online presence that looks non-creepery. They will Google you. <laughs> okay. Yes, and that's they something will. I tell people. They will Google you. You need to look like not a creeper. You need to look very family friendly. If it means you have to create a pen name, create a pen name. <laughs> like right. if you have a horror thing and then you have family friendly, don't put those on the same website. That's, you know, yeah. it's going to be deterrent to parents. And so they're thinking of like, you know, I need to get my kid to read. I want to have some time to spend with them. I want to make this maybe a family activity. And then teachers are thinking, I need to buy books for my classroom. I need to hit my reading goals. I need to get these kids reading so many words to their a certain level so they can gra- they can go on to the next grade. So you have three different audiences, two of which have money. Kids usually at middle grade level don't or don't have as much. Right. And those two that are having that have that money, they're not thinking of buy a book. They're thinking of what kind of result is this going to give me? How is this going to help the kids? How is this going to help me teach better? So you have to sort of speak their language a bit differently. And that's something that is always the fun part of marketing is speaking the language of the person who is buying your, um, or should buy your book. And we could just totally go on a, tangent for that but you'll have to come back some other time to talk about that jj going back to um middle grade uh, we discussed this a bit actually but i'll ask it anyway and see if you have anything else to offer um an author who writes young adult or adult fiction so they already have a platform in ya or adult fiction in some way so they're not again to clarify not adult fiction as an adult fiction as in for adults Oh, we have weird genre categories. Um, But they are writing in that area. How can they position themselves 
to sell middle grade books, would you recommend that they create like a pen name, a separate website, that they create a bit of a different avenue than what they're doing to maybe sell their adult books or their, I don't know, their YA fantasy romance or something like that? I think it depends. It depends on the type of book you're writing. It depends on Mm -hmm. how you're marketing that book. Let's take uh, Brandon Sanderson, for example. Yeah. He was, uh, before he ever got into the will of time and his career took Mm -hmm. off, he had Mistborn, Elantris, and then he had a middle grade series called Alcatraz over here. Mm -hmm. But even though these were for adults and these were for kids over here, it was the way he presented himself online. He -hmm. could do crossover without doing a pen name. Now, if you're writing slasher horror (laughs) and you're uh, marketing slasher horror on your, uh, on your, you know, yeah, you probably want to make a, a pen name. If you're writing mm-hmm. romance, uh, you could probably, if, if you're writing for middle grade girls, you could probably mm-hmm. get away with it. But if you're writing a different type of middle grade adventure series, you might want to rethink uh, and do a pen name. I think with mm-hmm. YA, it's the same thing. So for me, I I really think it's it's how how you market yourself how you present yourself online, like you were saying, because they will Google mm-hmm. you and yes. how you are going and, and what you're writing. If you follow me, you notice that I don't really talk about my three adult novellas. They're still out there. Yeah. You know? And actually characters from those adult novellas actually show up in, uh, in Iggy and Oz. But I don't, mm-hmm. you know, that's just fun, you know, little Easter eggs for me. But mm-hmm. uh, when I decided to go middle grade, and um, I, I, I just rebranded myself completely. Um, I went quiet for a while on mm-hmm. social media. I went back and deleted a lot of posts that mm-hmm. you know, it, uh, parents follow me. Because here's the deal. It's not going to be kids following you on social media. It's going to be their parents and the teachers. And yes. you know, mm-hmm. they're the ones that you got to entertain too. But they're also going to show the things you do, whether your reels, your stories, and things like that, mm-hmm. your posts. They're going to show those to their kids as well. So you got to think mm-hmm. about that. That's why I don't talk politics on social media. I don't mm-hmm. talk. Um, I don't talk anything controversial, culture wars, anything. Mm-hmm. I stay away from all that. It's not that I don't mm-hmm. have an opinion. It's that everything about my life is built towards this series, and mm-hmm. even that's even my personal profile, my you know author pages. All of it is geared towards presenting myself to parents, mm-hmm. to teachers, and to kids. In a way. Now, how do I transition that now that I'm going to be writing for, for dads? Well, I'm writing for dads. So I, I you're writing for dads. <laughs> I'm writing for dads. I think it's going to transfer over okay. But if I notice that it affects affects things, I might make a change. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so this is an experiment for me. So mm-hmm. I think if you're going to position yourself, you have to think about who is going to be following you, who you're going to be targeting. Um, who you're going to be selling to, and is there anything you're currently doing with your current brand that mm-hmm. could reflect negatively going forward? And mm-hmm. so it, it's one of those things you got to do some research. You got to really think it through. Yeah. And there's pros and cons to each thing. And that, I mean, that's the thing with social media in general is that some people will do a personal brand where everything's under one roof. Right. Well, if you write different genres, then the algorithms might be confused if you use different hashtags or stuff versus if you have all these segmented profiles, 
it can be great. That's more work for you. Maybe less time that you're writing. Maybe you're going to have to hire an assistant eventually and have them <laughs> handle those things. And so it, it can be a little bit complicated with that. But that's just stuff you have to think through when you're doing it. And yeah, I want to absolutely reinforce what JJ said about that. People are going to Google you. Like the first thing I was on, I had Facebook way back in 2005 when it was just my college, you know, and you like joined random groups and things with each other. (laughs) (laughs) And like you said random things because it was just your college that was on. That was it. Um, Like I would do a status update saying I'm going to the dining hall because it was just like my, my class on there. Um, but as soon as I became a teacher and yeah. I never said anything like horribly inappropriate as a college student, but once Facebook went public and I became a teacher, I took yeah. off all of those status updates about what I thought about the dining hall food that day or something like that, because <laughs> you know, I was approaching this as a professional now. And that's something yeah. you have to think about as an author is, you know, how much are you going to position your profiles as a professional thing and how much are you are you going to be open and how much are you not going to be open about that stuff right. now in terms of writing middle grade books what is one thing all middle grade books absolutely need ooh, ooh, ooh. all right here's 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 my big thing um mm-hmm. and uh all middle grade books need a child who is the main character, to solve the problem. I have critiqued books where the child or the children in the Mm -hmm. story find an adult, and the adult is the one that helps them solve the problem. And I I think there's a difference between a story where you have a mentor who provides lessons like, Dumbledore or Gandalf mm-hmm. or any of that. But at the end of the day, the main thing is is kids presented with a problem, kids overcoming the problem. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens sometimes when people start writing middle grade for the first time mm-hmm. is they think, well, kids don't possess the thought capacity to be able to overcome these problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is fiction, first of all. But let's not yep. also discount the fact that kids do see a lot in today's world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. sometimes when we write for kids, we think that kids are the kids in the suburban American home. Mm-hmm. There are some kids where mom or dad aren't a part of the picture. And mm-hmm. it's not because mom and dad have passed. Maybe mom and dad are incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Maybe mom and dad are in rehab. Mm-hmm. So you have to think about not just every you know just a single type of kid you have to realize that kids go to school they hear a lot of things on the playground they hear a lot of things in class Mm -hmm. they learn a lot of things but you can't just think well kids don't have thought capacity or the tools or the Mm -hmm. resources to overcome these problems it is fiction and you got to think about the fact that kids actually see and hear more in our society today than we think Mm -hmm. they do and I think what also helps is if you're doing middle grade historical, well, kids in yeah. like historical periods would have like different skill sets and different things and different responsibilities. Right. And it could also be something about your problem. You could, act, you know, make it a problem that they care about and can solve. Like make it something right. that I think something that I found when I've done a couple of middle grade things is 
it can be easy to think, well, I'm trying to make this book that I feel good about giving to my kids. And I'm like, well, no, let's, let's actually think about a book that they want to read, (laughs) which of course you're going to feel good about giving it to them. But you need to think about what are they going through? What are they afraid of? What, what's scary for them in that place? And what are they going to find relatable or what are they going to want to look up to? Because as adults, we'll often read books that people who can do things that we could never do, you know, like sword fighting or like adventuring or stuff or like sleeping out in the ground for weeks. And I'm like, my back would kill me. But it's exciting to to read those things. Kids have the same thing. Like that's why you get like, you know, the precocious kid protagonist or the, you know, the one that's really good athletically or something. Your kid may not be athletic, but it's a fun escape for them to read those things. Right. Um, yeah. And, and there are different types of kids. I mean, you have kids yeah. that are in the, into gaming, you have kids that are in the yeah. sports, you have kids that are into, you know, FHA and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, kids are into different things and you can target all of them, but sometimes it's fun to just bring all those different personalities together yeah. and just throw them on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I always tell people is don't think about the things that scared you as a kid, because the mm-hmm. things that scared you as a kid they may manifest themselves differently today. Mm. It's maybe the mm-hmm. same fear, but it may benef- manifest yourself uh, itself in, in a much different way today mm-hmm. than it did back then. So, you know, think through that. And, you know, to me, it's just like kids solving the problem. Kids, kids yep. that are, that are the heroes. Mm-hmm. That is, that is a fantastic takeaway. Now it is time for the random question. So this is where I choose a random question from my bag of tricks and you get to answer it. You have not prepared at all for this. So, (laughs) but that makes it a lot of fun. Okay. So for your random question, Ooh, okay. Let's test the marketing thing. Your books can be product placed into any movie you want. Which movie are you going to product place them into? And it can be a movie that was already made. So that's totally fine. Place into a movie. Yeah. Oh, so you man. know it's something where like the kids taking out their backpack and they you know they spill it out and your books are spilling out when they have the backpack out or they're <laughs> reading your book before their mom asks them yeah. the question or something. Oh yeah. Um golly. Uh, you know, it probably be, you know, when Sam and Frodo are just like going through <laughs> and all of a sudden he just drops his bag, Sam does by mistake, and mm-hmm. it's not just bread and you know and Food, second mm-hmm. breakfast spilling out, but hey, there's an Indian Oz book, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's there's the living snot right there. <laughs> yeah, the living snot's right there. The soda pop wars, it's all just right there. Mm-hmm. Frodo's like, where did you get that? Oh, 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 that's nothing. Don't worry about it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I think you should kind of do a meme or something with that, trying to like Photoshop your books into that. <laughs> yeah. Or just have Vader kick back with his feet up on the desk one day reading mm-hmm. Indian you know, Oz. There like you that. go. See, see, you should just do these now. Do memes with these as your as your yeah. marketing. I don't know if you want to have a villain reading your book, but I mean, that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> okay, well, this has been loads of fun, JJ. Now, this is your time to shamelessly brag. What is a place that people should find you? Where? What should they check out? Do you have any freebies? Go ahead. Uh, you can go to my website, jjjohnsonwrites.com. Mm-hmm. I do blog pretty regularly. I took a break off just to do the Kickstarter stuff, but um, I'll be mm-hmm. getting back to that. Um, and then you can also find me primarily on Instagram at JJ Johnson mm-hmm. underscore author. 
Um, mm-hmm. I am active on Blue Sky Threads and Twitter. I mean, I'm there, but I'm just not mm-hmm. active in those spaces that often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have a podcast for any dads out there. Mm-hmm. Geeky Dads talk about geeky things. It's on a little bit of a hiatus at the moment, but we will be coming back at the start of the new year. And that's basically just dads sitting down, having a cup of coffee, and talking mm-hmm. about some random geeky thing like our top five spaceships, our top five magic systems, top five movies from 1985 or something weird like that. So, Yeah, and it's a, it's a really fun podcast just to listen to. So if you like those kind of slice of life podcasts where you can just put them on while you're like... I don't know, cleaning or doing work or whatever. It's it's a really great conversational podcast to listen to. All right. Well, now we're going to be hopping over to do a quick video for Patreon supporters. For any of you who aren't a Patreon supporter, please go over and uh, do hop over and support. This is going to be a fantastic little extra bit on the do's and don'ts of writing middle grade fiction. So some really specific practical takeaways for you. And JJ, thanks again so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this. And I appreciate everything that you guys are doing over there and uh, mm-hmm. the podcast you're doing. I think it's, I think it's needed and I appreciate Yay. it. Thanks so much. And thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Author Elevate podcast. Uh, I think JJ has some really, really great things to say. And we got on that whole wonderful tangent about marketing and how to approach it and different kinds of marketing strategies as well. I definitely have to have him back on the show just to sort of nerd out about that and just kind of break it down into bite-sized pieces for all of you amazing authors out there so that you again can apply it in a way that makes sense for you according to your life season and your goals because that is one of the big things that makes author life sustainable here. Again, I just finished a great great extra um, informational snippet for our Patreon supporters with JJ. And we went into how to deal with protagonists in middle grade who maybe act disruptively or difficult. And, you know, parents don't want that kind of like bad role model. How do you handle that? We discussed uh, different genres of middle grade. So if you have any interest in this, hop over to to the Author Elevate Patreon and uh, show your support and let us bless you with over 40 videos of bonus content. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am Janina Bolita with Author Elevate. Go forth and be awesome.